Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. This is BT and welcome to Inside the Episode. Today, David and I are talking distractions are distractions. So uh, perfect title for this episode, considering the events that have taken place over the course of this last year. Yeah. It was surprising that not too, like within the last few weeks, we was it was the anniversary, if you will, how morbid that sounds, of us going into lockdown yeah, in this country. Absolutely. And it's so interesting that distractions are distractions because if ever there was a time for distractions... Last year was it. Man, I'm telling you. I know, right? So let me ask you this to start off. How has the past year framed the importance of managing distractions and allowed you to just keep growing when it could have been so easy to just kind of ease and scale back? Well, see, I, see that's the thing. I don't think it would have been easy to, to, to scale back because the thing that I recognized right off the bat about the about the distractions and the things that were changing was that the channels of distribution were changing. So meaning that for businesses, how how we receive and how we produce or fulfill whatever our product or service is, that was changing on a mass scale, on a global scale. Right. So to just say, well, you know, I'm going to, you know, like, I got, I got a great company, I've got money, I don't really need to do much, I could, I could just kind of scale back. I think that would have actually been like a nail in the coffin because you would not have adapted to how things have changed and how things are going to stay changed for a long period of time. I'm not one of these people that believe things are not going to go back to the way that they were because... People are people, and people don't want to be stuck in, locked up. They want to get out. They want to explore. They want to experience. So I think that if if the if the health concerns, if we get that under control, a large uh, portion of individuals will go back to life very much as we knew it. Um, but if you think about how everything had to change in order for business to stay in business, it was either you're going to play ball or you're going to get pushed to the sidelines because everybody that's an entrepreneur that was thinking saw, oh, this is a fantastic opportunity. Not sure what it is yet because it's happening and we're rolling with it. You know, it's like we're building the plane as we're flying it. But we, you had to get engaged to find out what was happening. You had to really pay attention to what was going on without being distracted. Right. Right. Because it wasn't right. just, you know, I mean, it's not like uh, it was just the, the the COVID. It was the whole political scene and the news and uh, all the racial injustice. I mean, there were so many different things that were going on um, and and really deep, important things that people care about. So it's, it's not even like it's uh, uh, like a screwy kind of distraction. These, these are big, serious things that are happening in our in our world that people want to pay attention to. And with the, um, the, with the amount and the scale that it was happening, it could become all consuming. So you had to like, I need to put a stop on this and really get focused on, on what I'm doing. I think it actually, I think a person had to, at least I, well, I know I did, and I was teaching people to do this to really go in and be like, okay, let me just be clear on what my purpose is where we're going and what needs to be done and 
and stay focused in in that area because even for the most ardent focused person, it was a just a shit show of distractions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was yeah. Cra- I mean it was crazy. If, if ever there was a time to hold your purpose up to the light every yes. single day, that yeah. was it for Absolutely. sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're you know we're we're sort of going through that now. We're coming out the other side of it. I, I agree with you. I think we'll go back to somewhat life sure. as normal. But we've also learned some very valuable lessons that are going to help move us, not just your company forward, but many people who are allowed to make that pivot really early on and trust that it was all going to work out in the end. So listen, here's so here so you know how they always say history repeats itself. If you go back and you look at the flu in the early 1900s and you you realize that it was it was very much the same situation that we are now. People had masks on, you know, there were millions of people dying. When it was over, we partied our asses off. That's what became the roaring 20s. Sure. You know, so people were like, you know, we're done. Let's get out there and just live it up and have a ball. And that's what they did. Wow. That's exactly what they did. Wow. That's how the Roaring Twenties became the Roaring Twenties. Most people never really paid attention to it and realized how much that flu epidemic played a role in the rebounding effect of people being like, fuck this, let's just go have a damn good right. time. Right. Well, here's to more of that. And we are in the 20s, so maybe we'll get a rebirth of the Roaring Twenties as well. Isn't that weird? That is weird. That is yeah, weird. I did. Yeah. I never really thought about that, but you're right. Like when that pandemic hit in the, the what was it, 1919 or whatever, right. and then that led into the the, the party of the, yeah. of, the, of the decade. Absolutely. Yeah, and then, of course, on the back end of that, we've got you know, the crash and all that, but we won't get into that stuff right now. Um, but for sure, I think that's, that's really a cool connection. All right. Well, in the episode, let's get into this. You said if something shows up in your life, that's preventing you from keeping your commitment, you don't want it bad enough. And you know, some people who have heard that before may get triggered by that statement. And initially you did too, when you were told that long ago, (laughs) how would you respond to someone who pushes back against that? Uh, you know, you don't want it bad enough. Well, I think that um, my response would be, listen, if you, you the part of the idea uh, with life and trying to figure out what you're doing, what you know, what's going on with yourself, how do you go from one point to another, is to really look at what's true. You have to get your mind out of not just distraction, but denial. So, in order to do that, we have to hit, we have to say, okay, so what act, what is actually true? Well, a person told me a long time ago. They said, "Listen, if you show me your checkbook and your calendar, I'll tell you what's important to you." Meaning, where, where you where and how you spend your money and where and how you spend your time is indicative of what you think is important, right? Whether it is important or not is completely irrelevant. It's what you think is important because that's where you're spending your most valuable assets, your time, which is equates to your life, and the the money that you that you have. So it's interesting when a person says, um, you know, I do want it bad enough, but they're actually spending their time and money on something different because that is an indication that no, actually you want this, whatever this might be for them. That's actually what you what you want more. So I don't care if they argue with me, right? It's, uh, do you, what result do you want? You know, I mean, I'm all about, let's get the results. If you want the results, then we have to really focus in on what's causing you not to get those results. We have to understand that pattern. We have to break it, redesign it, 
and then employ it so that you get a completely different result in your life, which is not difficult to do. The most difficult part, it was kind of what you're alluding to, is the mindset behind it. Will I accept where I'm not doing well and take responsibility for that in order to change it so that I can get the result that I want, so that I can live the life that I truly want to live. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing too, their personal responsibility. Like it's very easy to say I'm doing absolutely everything, but to the person who needs to make sales in their business that's not picking up the phone, are you doing everything? I'm over here, I'm sourcing on Facebook. Are you really sourcing? Are you (laughs) looking for leads? Or are you posting what you had on your scrambled eggs? Like those types of things, Not not to like mock it or anything, but when you hear people say, I'm doing everything within my power and I'm still not getting it. There's always that sense, in my opinion, that are they really doing enough and do they want it bad enough? And I think that's where a mentor like yourself comes in that can be able to say like, look, you're saying one thing, but you're showing up completely different. Right. Yeah. I think that's fascinating. The part of the deal behind that, in all fairness, is if you've never had somebody in your childhood show you what your best is, how to do your best, and then how to do better than your best. You really don't know. And if you, if you study the history of, of people that have done great things, one of the things that seems to be some kind of a common denominator is that very often it takes uh, some kind of a crisis in a person's life for that level of best to actually come out right? It, it causes them to perform at a different level for, for whatever reason. Well, obviously, because the crisis is important to them, whatever's in, sure. whatever's in the crisis. <clears throat> so one of the things that I work with people on is let's find out what your best is. Let's really get you to consistently do your best, because if you'll do that, you're going to push to a different level that you've never even seen before, that you don't know that exists. But if you haven't experienced that yet, you haven't experienced it. So it's kind of like what you don't know that you don't know that's actually killing your business or whatever endeavor you're, you're going after and you're not getting the result. Sure. No, absolutely. In the episode, you talked again briefly about value conflicts. And I know we've got new listeners coming onto the show all of the time. And we've also got very loyal listeners who could probably benefit by hearing you talk about that a little bit more. So could you briefly explain just a basic knowledge about value conflicts? Because I just don't think we can hear it enough. Like what are they? Why are they there? And how do they hold us back? Yeah, here's a value conflict. I want more sales. Um, and I enjoy surfing, you know, the internet. I, I would rather... I would rather surf the internet. It's when you state a value that you say is important to you, but there's another value that's conflicting with it that, cause, that, that is causing you not to break through and get the result that you, that you ultimately said that you want. Um, you, you, it's a value to grow your business, to go meet new people, but you're afraid of rejection right? You're afraid of what other people think of you. So we have a, we have a lot of these. And, and for the entrepreneur, I think one of the, the easiest ways to kind of begin to give a person an area of how do I look for this? Where do I find it? The entrepreneurial mindset is the polar opposite of the middle class or working class mindset. The value of the middle class and the working class is security, That's what it is. How do I go from point A to point B in my life with the least amount of damage 
and with the greatest amount of ease, right? Sure. That's really that's really the value that is uh, it's perpetuated for those individuals. The entrepreneur is different. They're about growth. They're about taking risk. They're about um, uh, expanding things, expressing things, pushing the limits, finding out what you know what they could really do. So now, if you have because more and more what we're seeing is middle-class, working-class people wanting to be entrepreneurs. So yet they're raised for 20, 30, 40 years uh, with a middle-class mindset that's, that's rooted in safety and certainty and those types of things. And now they have to develop a completely different value system in order to produce the results that they want. So what happens is, bam, value conflicts. And they have to work through them because there's a ton of them, you know, and they have to they have to work through them to get the result that they want. One of mine in the very beginning was I wanted to earn a lot of money. I wanted to grow my business. And I found out that I was afraid to get on the phone. I, I did not want to experience the rejection because the rejection in my mind kind of reflected the opinion of all these people that told me that I couldn't do this or that it wouldn't work or it was a pipe dream, you know, or I was, I was uh, being irresponsible with my family's resources, you know, all that kind of, you know, crap, really. Um, and I had to fight against that value conflict and be like, which one do I want to lead my life? Because the value is what's going to lead your life in the direction and produce the result that you want. So now you have to make a choice. And the whole time you're doing it, you've got that other value back. You're going, ah, just, you know what? Just take it. You made five phone calls today. Nobody's answering the phone. Who's going to pick up the phone today, right? Three people told you no. Just, you know, take it easy, relax, do something different. Come back tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day. You know what? Let's just take the rest of the day off. Get some rest. Let's go have a couple beers. We'll watch the football game. And then tomorrow we'll get back at it again. And then tomorrow turns into tomorrow, which turns into tomorrow. And before you know it, you're out of business. Oh, my God. Those are the exact same voices I used to hear when I was making calls for you very early (laughs) on. Like, seriously, like I would, A, beg that nobody would answer the phone. B, I would say, okay, you made five calls. You didn't speak to anybody, but you did good work today. Let's just take some time. Let's um, center ourselves, maybe do a meditation, read a book, and, and go from there that was the same exact voice playing in my head, which is why I wasn't in sales long for you. And it's probably for the best, but it's amazing to hear you talk about how that was a value conflict that you yourself dealt with, because we see you as this person who mastered sales, but you had to push and force yourself to do that. Your hundred call exercise and all these other things that you did allowed you to get to a place to do that. It's just amazing that like, I love that you're, you, you share that and the vulnerability that you had early on. Cause you know, it made me think of, you know, entrepreneurs and this is just, I don't know, I didn't hear this anywhere. It just came to my mind. You know, they're, they're made, not born. Like, I don't think you're born an entrepreneur. You're, you're a product of your environment. Everyone in my family was, I would say, anti-entrepreneur. Yeah. So they're safety, they're middle-class mm-hmm. They're I'm going to work in this job. And even though I don't like the salt job, of the earth, salt of the earth. Yeah. I'm, I don't like this job, but I'm going to get from A to B or B to C and I'm going to retire and do all those things because it's safe and secure. And the entrepreneur coming out of that to think that we're entrepreneurs now is, is shocking to me. I mean, I had a lot of help along the way. My wife, of course, being one of them who I don't know if she necessarily grew up in an entrepreneurial family, but her dad's always been a little bit of a hustler. So I think there's a little piece of that. But for me, it's like, how do you get to that place? And it was just fascinating to think that you're a product of your environment. And I had to make myself into an entrepreneur. Yes. I wasn't born that way. Yes. It's just, 
And I had, and I, and I was in a in a family that was not entrepreneurial, but my father had. Uh, I really think he had the entrepreneurial bug, but I think that there were a lot of things against him. His his whole childhood, the way that he was raised, the lack and limitation that he was raised under. Um, but he's smart as a whip. He's he's just he he's sharp as hell, and. I think a lot of those beliefs got in the way of what he was actually trying to accomplish in his life. And he, you know, he was fighting the same, one of the same problems that I had. He created a tremendous amount of responsibility before he had a chance to really show his entrepreneurial chops. And that came back to bite him, you know, in a lot of ways. So without having, um, uh, the the right mindset to to gather new information to be able to push through it. Most people just aren't going to make it. He did okay, you know. He did he did well in a couple of endeavors uh, that he did, uh, but I think in the end, you know, he gave it up and ended up he was uh, became an engineer for Raytheon and he retired uh, an engineer from Raytheon, which is was no small feat in and of itself. But there were two things that I got from that experience. One was his can-do attitude. Uh, he, you know, he was famous for if there's a will, there's a way, you know, that type of thing. But the flip side of it was my mother's viewpoint of him, which was he was a pipe dream. Reckless. Yeah, maybe. reckless yeah. pipe dreamer, can't ever save uh. any money, you know, that whole thing. So it was this interesting paradox that I had in my family of, which one are you going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, which one are you going to be? The problem is, is that when you follow one, you have to be careful not to get the stink of the other on you. Meaning that I wanted to, although I never really looked at it as like following my dad, but I wanted, I wanted to be the entrepreneur thing, but I also didn't want the disapproval of my mother, which is going to go hand in hand in most cases in in that type of a situation. So you have to learn to be confident, stand up for yourself, really identify what you're going to believe in and, you know, make a sound statement and a stand for your position in life, which yeah. is what I had to do. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's great. Well, um, the importance of personal responsibility and keeping your commitments is evident throughout the entire thread of this episode. Yeah. If you say you're going to do something, you damn well better just do it no matter what. Mm. And if a distraction pops up, you deal with it and you not allow it to stop you in your pursuit of said commitment. So could you talk a little bit about the importance of momentum in rewiring your brain, especially for those who may struggle with being their word? So, you know, like you've always said in the past, if you say no or you don't do the thing you said you were going to do, it's going to be easier the next time. So how do we rewire our brain based off of the momentum of actually hitting our target? So this is a great question. It, so it, it takes, um, it, these principles must be in play in order for this to happen. It is thinking, emotion, action, result. Thinking, emotion, action, result. The result piece, most people don't, don't, just don't seem to grasp this part. When we were little kids and we were developing a belief there really didn't need to be any action part in there to develop the belief because there was nothing in there. So whatever we were told or whatever we were exposed to, that became the belief. There was nothing uh, that, that contradicted that 
that was already in our mind. So whatever we were exposed to, that went in, that became the foundation of how we think, it became our belief system, our value system. And then as we gradually went past the age of seven years old, taking the information that we heard, we started to experience the world. And as we started to experience the world, either our experience agreed with whatever the programming was or it was a conflict to it. But the conflict was out there. It was not inside because there was nothing to conflict with it when we took the belief on. So now let's catapult this 30 years or so, right? A person wants to change this. If they don't understand that the idea is that the belief that's inside of them needs to be changed, not just by thinking, but by witnessing that you can get a different result based on that thinking, they're seriously missing the important piece of this. The reason is, is that the subconscious mind will all, like you could say to yourself, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, to try to get that message into your subconscious mind. And it will to some degree. But when you look at your bank book, when you look at your bank account and it's a big zero, it'll go, yeah, you could say that all you want. You still don't have any money in the bank. You still don't have any sales. Nobody's buying your your widget or you know whatever it is that you're that you're selling, and now you can't argue against that for your mind. So your mind is actually taking a power position when it comes to this. So that needs to be changed. How does it how does it change? So we develop the thought that we want. We 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 stay in the the emotion of expectancy, right? which we talk about a lot. Basically, that's gratitude because I'm being grateful for something that, that I'm waiting to, for it to come to me. Then I take the action, which is the cause of the new result that I want. Now I need to get the result. As I get that result, I have to confirm to my mind, I, I thought this, I took this action, I got this result. Here's the result. I have the new result. And do it over, and do it over, and Repeat. do it over. Yeah, because now, th now the mind can't reject it, right? It's like this action caused this result, and it produced this feeling inside of me. Those are all the components that I need for that belief to take hold. And the repetition of it will allow that. So the rep, so the repetition in short order, the momentum's very important. If I do it once today, and then six months from now I do it again, it doesn't stick. It doesn't compute. I have to do it six times a day for six months, and I will develop the new belief. That's that's more uh, in line with what we're talking about. Yeah, which is always why you say, you know, follow up a sale with another sale. Right. <laughs> you know, because you keep that momentum going. And I, I believe that, you know... I was going to say something of the effect of, well, what happens if you don't get that result and you've done everything else to get there, but you didn't achieve the result. But then I thought to myself, well, if you do those things and if you feel those things and you take that action, you will eventually get that result. Right. So I, I backed it off, even though I just threw it out there, but I felt like I was going to, I was. But actually it's a good question though, because at first it's a mixed bag generally, you know, sometimes you're getting the result. Sometimes you're not getting the result. You have to keep tailoring because you're building a skill set at the same time, generally. Right. And you have to keep adjusting and adjusting, adjusting it till you get the result. So there's a lot of persistence in there. There's a lot about what is my vision for, for myself? What, are, what is my goal? 
uh, how important is this to me to be able to do this? Because you're, there is a lot that you're actually changing. Yeah, it's like avoid the discouragement and just be persistent. You know, t- choose persistence over discouragement any day of the right. week. You might not get the result the first time. You might not get it the eighth or ninth time. But mm-hmm. that tenth time, it's going to be there. So just stay with it and be persistent and avoid distractions. Obviously, <laughs> we're back. Um, that's perfect. Well, let's talk a little bit more about, um, well, let's talk about doing a little bit more. Because in right. the episode, you talked about doing a little bit more. And you said something in the episode where you said, show your brain who's boss. Why is it so important to show your brain that you're in charge of everything that comes in and how you're going to show up in the world? Because it's almost like we have another person living inside of our head that we call this brain of ours, right? It's always talking to us and it's telling us the things that we need to hear so that we agree with those things so so everything stays the same. The subconscious mind is only concerned with two things. And this is over the course of of evolution, that I'm not in fear of my life in this moment so that I can procreate. That's it. It just wants to move the species forward. And it's the same with every form of life. It's all about moving the species forward. So when we have something different than an animal, we have consciousness, we have an intellect. And that intellect allows us to evaluate things, to rationalize, um, to make judgments, and to choose to do something completely different. When we choose to do something different, and it's going against the subconscious programming to stay the same, the subconscious mind is now going to try to find a way to get you to agree with stopping. So this is how a person develops a sabotage strategy. It has to, it, what it, here's basically what it does. It gets you to focus on something that's important, right? It gets you to look at what's wrong with it or why it's not going well, or is it some kind of a disaster or a problem or a catastrophe or whatever. And then it rationalizes why paying attention to that is more important than moving forward with your goal. So when we're coming from a point of consciousness, it's about, okay, Yes, something has happened in my life that I need to pay attention to. I need to take responsibility for it, but I don't need to let it control where I'm going. So I figure out how to deal with this problem, and at the same time, I'm going to continue to go toward my goal. If we don't understand that the whole mechanism for a person to completely stop and fail is what we call agreement. Your subconscious mind figures out a way for you to agree with the reason to stop, and that's why a person fails. Sure. Well, and I, I think that's why, like, even teams break break apart. Like, if you've got someone who, let's say you're in a, in a sales situation, you've got a sales team. One person on the sales team starts to get some sort of an issue going on in their mindset. They can infect the whole team if they're not, if you're not on top of 100%. that and catches it. And yeah. that, this is where the human... Um, the humans struggle with asking for help, I think, sometimes, and they don't take personal responsibility, say something's got me tweaked. I think that you're really good about that, like helping us if we ever have a problem or yeah. something that's got us sideways. You're available. Steph is always good about saying, I don't know what I don't know. Help me. I think that's very, very important. But I love that you, I love the way you phrase that because we're all. I feel like we all just want to do more. Like if I do more, I'm going to be able to figure this thing out. And sometimes doing more of the wrong thing just gives you more wrong things. I mean, that's, that's just so true. Um, All right. Let's kind of also confirms the argument that your subconscious tries to 
present for not going forward. It's like, see, I told you, I told you that you'd fuck this up or this would be awful or it would go wrong or those people would reject you. I told you so. And then it becomes, you're, you're in an argument with this voice in your head. It's insanity. Right. Yeah, no, it's so true. All right. So sticking with the theme of commitments, um, what are some strategies you'd recommend when making a commitment? So I guess what I'm looking at is, is it okay to start with something small and work up to bigger things? Or do we come out of the gate and go with the biggest possible thing? And how do you make commitments a daily practice? Is it something that should be a daily practice? Yeah, so the, the, the jury is out on this uh, in the self-improvement field. There's, there's the one rule of thought that people follow is set the biggest goal you can, you can dream for yourself, which I think is a great thing. It's inspirational. It's fun. Uh, it allows us to get outside of the box. There's a lot to be said for it. However, if you can't get yourself to follow through on what's necessary to even start toward the achievement of that goal, it doesn't matter how big it is, right? Part of the idea is that if I set a big enough goal, it'll be inspirational enough for me to do it every day. But here's the real truth. If we cannot develop the consistency in behavior from a cause and effect perspective, in other words, if I say I'm going to do something, can I be my word? That's not something that's inspirational. That's something that's habitual. It's a learned skill. It becomes part of our character. And if we're weak in that, it doesn't make you a bad person. It just says, hey, you need to develop this. So, so here's what my philosophy is. With any, with any individual, you have to pick a goal that you know you won't fall back on. In other words, you have, you, you have, to, pick, you have to pick some objective every day that you know that you're going to do. If you set a goal and in your mind you're like, there's no fucking way I'm going to do this. What's the purpose of setting it? Right. You're just actually, you're reinforcing your own failure pattern in your mind. So the idea is, okay, I want to stretch. Great. I'm going to pick this goal. What is, what is the, the amount that I can guarantee I'm going to do every day and still, and still stretch? And then as I do that, I'm building that muscle that is my word, that is my commitment, that is my follow-through, and I can then increase it as I go through time, right? I get a little better at it. I do that for a couple of months. I feel good about myself. Time to increase it, put a little bit more pressure on because that's where the, that's where the growth happens. And you're developing this muscle that is about follow-through. It's about, it's about making a commitment and keeping that commitment. Because if we, I believe, I seriously believe this, if a person develops that skill set, that discipline, there's nothing that they can't accomplish. Because that's the discipline that stops them. It's the one where they don't follow through. And you could say whatever you want about all different kinds of things. If you follow through, everything else follows that. In other words, if I follow through, I get a result so I can see how good it is and I can see where I need to work on it and how I can actually get better. If I follow through, I can see where I made a mistake if I'm making a mistake. If I don't follow through, I don't get any of that feedback. Sure. Right? And I'm, and I'm only building up evidence as a reason for me not to, to do anything at all. Right. So it, it is about making the commitment at a level that you know that you won't break your word. 
Well, and I think it it can also be something that doesn't have anything to do with your long-term goal. It could be something as simple as, like you had mentioned before, if you have a hard time picking up the phone and having conversations. Next time you're at the grocery store, have a conversation with the person who's checking sure. you out. Like, that's a stretch. I'm going to do this every day. Making my bed. I'm a sloppy person, let's say. I'm going to make my bed every day. Even though it has nothing to do with my overall goal, you're rewiring your brain to feel what that feels like yeah. when you accomplish something. Right. I mean, I know when I have my post-it note of my daily tasks and I check those four or five, six things off, I feel tremendously accomplished. And I don't put, you know, wake up, get dressed. Right. I don't put those right. types of things. But if I was struggling with waking up and getting dressed, You'd maybe that would be on there, right? It, totally. So it can be something, you're just in the process, and that goes back to your conversation about momentum earlier. Set a goal, hit the goal, stretch yourself and set another goal. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's great. Well, this has been an excellent episode. Distractions are distractions. Thanks for coming inside, David. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.